It be too late to alter course, matey. And there be plundering pirates lurking in every cove. And mark well me words, matey. Dead men tell no tales. <laughs> the code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artist from scottartist.com. And I'm Heather Artist from blackpearlminute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 129 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. Why, you're welcome. Oh, thank you. It's about freaking time. (laughs) Feeling like Governor Swan over here, I had to start to say, that's the thanks you give me for allowing you... To come onto this show and co-host with this with me? Allowing me? I said allowing. Well. I thought I was the only one feeling a little sad, but it turns out, because I'd like to cut Heather off, that Heather, too, was feeling a little pain. It is sad. We were watching the final minutes of The Curse of the Black Pearl over the weekend, and she, too, was overcome with that passing of a generation. A sense of nostalgia. I really am just glad I don't hate the movie, or that it ruined it for me by breaking it down and discussing it. No, in depth so much. I think it made me like the movie more. That's what I'm saying. It really made me appreciate it more, and I yeah. think I really like it. Yeah. I think that's strange that that happened, because I've seen it. It's not like I've seen the movie, but every time I watch a minute, it feels like I'm reliving the entire movie. Yeah. So it's like I've seen it a thousand times right now. It's pretty crazy. Well, you've seen each minute like 20 times each. That's what I... Ju- <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> it's weirdly a part of my life now. And actually, I'm glad all of you have joined us for this inaugural ride, our first season. So we greatly appreciate it. Other than that... And we're sad. No, we are sad. It is sad, actually. Yeah, it is. It's going to be a giant hole in my heart. It's not the one that Jack shot me with, either. It's like Barbosa. Maybe that hole in my heart is now filled with that musket ball. I filled it. Huh? I filled it. Okay, Heather filled it. I told you. How did that sound? Was that sincere? No. Oh. Other than that, I'm good as far as Pirates of the Caribbean news, too. So how about we get this swashbuckler going? Okay, let's go. In the previous minute, Captain Jack Sparrow gets the axe. The executioner goes crowd surfing. Will Turner becomes a gymnast. We see the rarely demonstrated 18th century game, Red Rover and Limbo hybridization. Red Rover, Red Rover, send the Redcoats right over. Did I mention Will is an aspiring acrobat? And we, of course... See a bit of short-term memory loss as Governor Swan asked Will how he thanked him for the clemency. Oh yeah, he saved your daughter, Governor High Horse. You all right over there? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm really perturbed about that, if you can tell. I can tell. Minute 129 begins with Will responding to Governor Swan and a good man. Will continues, if all I've achieved here is that the hangman will own two pairs of boots instead of one, so be it. At least my conscience will be clear. The minute ends with Jack breaking the tense silence. Well, I'm actually feeling rather good about this. I think we've all arrived at a very special place, eh? Spiritually, ecumenically, dot dot dot. Now I'm not one to over-exaggerate. Not at all. Thank you for that. Uh Uh-huh. Apology accepted, too. (laughs) I think we've had the bitch slap heard around the world in a previous episode. I think I do recall something about that. But obviously... That was mere child's play to what happened during this particular minute. 
And I need to go back and George Lucas, whatever episode that was, and give it a special edition treatment to fix that exaggeration. Because clearly, Will Turner deals the slap heard around the world here, and he gives it to Norrington right in the face. There's no mistaking that this is one hell of a verbal beatdown. What about Elizabeth? She smacks him right after. Oh, I'm so focused on... Okay, she does, in a, w- in a way. But I am really focused on Will Turner delivering that blow. Because let me set the stage for this exciting moment. And then you can set the stage for your Elizabeth thing. We'll just say it like that. I accept your apology. (laughs) Governor Swan, riding high on his horse, tries to pull the guilt trip on Will by citing the How dare you? I gave you clemency. And you repay me by citing with a known pirate? Okay. I'm not going to rail about that misplaced sense of entitlement again. As Elizabeth is not with a skeleton pirate. She's not trapped by the Cursed Crew, formerly Cursed Crew, but standing next to you thanks to Will. Yeah, sorry I had to rant on that for a second. Will not only delivers a single blow, but doubles down on his bitch slap to give it that animantium strength. First, he says that his conscience will be clear. Then he tells Norrington, who, by the way, goes from Mr. Turner to simply an angry Turner address. More on that in a minute here. I got more on that. That his place is right here between him and Jack. I'm telling you... That's a knockout blow. That probably coined the term bitch slap for centuries to come right there. Yeah. That was it. Why? Because first he throws down the morality card. The, yes, I'm a pirate. Jack's a pirate. And yet we are better and more honorable and surely in the right compared to you two. Which, by the way, who want to hang a man who helps save Elizabeth and end a scourge on humanity. Towns, ships, and anything else in the Caribbean here. We eliminated the biggest threat, Barbosa and the crew of the Black Pearl, and you're hanging Jack. Will pulls that morality card. Yep. He gives him whoosh, quite the slap. That's all I have to say. Okay, that's not all I have to say. <laughs> then to make matters worse for Norrington, he delivers the final blow by saying his place is right here. Pause, dot, 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 between him and Jack. Now you can finish it up with that between Norrington and Jack comment. The idea that Will is standing up for what is right at all costs, yada, yada, yada. But the important part is that Will's place is right here in Port Royal, standing between Norrington and Elizabeth. That's what I'm reading into it. I feel like Ace Ventura right now. (laughs) Remember that scene? I can't think of what it is. That's why you did that. That's why you did it. That's what you slipped in. That's what was on your shoe. And that explains the abrasion on your palm. Damn, I'm good. All righty then. That's what I kind of feel like. The idea that Will is standing in between Norrington and Elizabeth, standing in the way of their nuptials, standing in the way of Norrington and Elizabeth eventually falling in love, or falling for a matter of convenience, however you want to call that. Or whose eyes you're looking through. Yeah. Boom. Bitch slapped. I mean, that's the bitch slap heard around the world. And then Elizabeth steps in the ring. But we're not done. And what makes this an incredible slap is that Norrington knows without a doubt this is correct. He can't say anything to that. Right. As long as Will is in the picture, it will eat away at the corner of his mind and be that temptation for Elizabeth. Now that is some effective writing. Plus the poetry of it is perfect. Now I do the Thank little you. salute and you can turn it over to Elizabeth's bitch slap. Okay, Then what? Elizabeth steps in the ring and she turns to Norrington and her father and says this is her place also. And That's right. Yes, exactly. And then... Norrington turns to her and says, so this is where your heart truly lies? See, that's what I'm saying. He got the beat down by Will 
she follows it up with the a stab. Yeah, it's, in the heart. It's the confirmation that Will was right. He knew it was true. He knew it was true all along. He yeah. was deluding himself. Well, yeah, because he wasn't the right class. Exactly. So that's what is going on. And I think Norrington is making that realization like it's finally come home and yeah. this is what's going on. He's, he's done. And he didn't actually win. No. Stepping back a moment now that we have covered the Norrington burn. Maybe that's what we call it. The Norrington burn. I feel bad for him, though. I'm just... Well, I didn't say I didn't feel bad for him. I'm just saying you have to coin something like that, like the Norrington burn, because that was pretty severe. It was. It was brutal. Brutal. And it's in front of everybody. Yeah. Governor Swan, all all those Marines. Come on, all these Marines aren't talking. They're going to be around the campfire at night going, God, did you see Norrington get burned? Yeah. Commodore burn. We're reporting for duty. God, he has a nickname. Like, no tomorrow now in the Marines there. Poor guy. There is an additional line in Will's reply that warrants coverage, though, since we're stepping back a moment. Will rebuts Governor Swan's he's a pirate comment in this minute with, he says, and a good man. Yeah. Will has that huge revelation regarding pirates. Well, stereotypical swashbuckling pirates, I should say. Not like Indian Ocean modern pirates or Blackbeard pirates or any of these other things like that. Pirates like Jack. Yeah. The Errol Flynn with his brother Earl. Because in this romanticized notion, there can be good pirates. We're not limited to pirates of real life or the pirates of a modern era. Right. We are open to romanticized pirates from the movies. The ones that we've all grown to love. The Robin Hood types and stuff. Captain Blood. Fighting for what's right. Fighting for the woman. Fighting for the town. All that kind of stuff. These are the pirates though. You are looking for? (laughs) Yeah, these, these are the pirates you're looking for. The idea that... Because these popularized pirates from these swashbucklers, I mean, a lot of them start off with that they are pirates or they're in kind of a bad light. They're hovering on being criminals, kind of criminals. They are kind of like Jack in a way. They don't murder, but they do do criminal activities. Right. Do do. Do do. (laughs) Do do. (laughs) Oh my God. We just slip into potty humor. Did we really? God dang it. We said we were above that in one of those episodes last week. With the parrot, Cotton's parrot soiling. We were so good to walk around. And then I say doo-doo when I was doing this. God dang it. Amateur like two, hours. Two-year-old potty humor. No kidding. God dang it. Well, it just caught me. It's like I said do twice. That just is rude. As I was saying, the idea is that these characters start off in a bad light, but then become rebels. They become those heroes and anti-heroes fighting for a noble cause. The other realization... That comes along with this is that tumultuous feelings Will has experienced recently for his father. Now this is where we get some heavy, heavy shh. First he respected his father. Uh Uh-huh. Then he went through denial that his father was a pirate. Uh Uh-huh. Then resented that aspect of his life. That he really had some pirate blood in him that ran through his veins from his father. Right. We see that when he is down below deck with Elizabeth. In the intercept. And they almost kiss. And they almost kiss, but then she pulls out the medallion, ill-timed. Says, I took this from you. I stole it from you when you were a boy. Your last memory of your father. And he's like, what? What, biatch? (laughs) That's a modern interpretation of it. And then it all goes to hell. So he resented his father. You know, like, this is the blood of a pirate that I have in me. A cursed pirate to boot. And then he goes to now understanding that just because his father was a pirate did not have bad connotations with it. Or he doesn't have to have bad connotations with it. His father could also be a good man. Right. 
the same man Will respected and wanted to emulate as a kid and then as an adult. Yep. Will was searching for his father and then he found him. He didn't physically find him, but he emotionally and spiritually found his father. Yes. And that's where it gets awesome too, because I'm doing the 80s thing. Awesome. Is that this spiritual connection is referenced by Jack at the end of the minute talking to Governor Swan, which is pretty cool. So before we leave the will topic, there is something I was saving for this minute to discuss because it's on that heavy note. It's on that life's lesson kind of note. Schoolhouse rockish. ABC TV movie special. Lifetime special. Lifetime, yeah. Oh, God. Am I really doing that? I sure hope not. You're a lifetime special. Oh, man. Now I know all hell is broken loose. (laughs) When you reach the lifetime special on your show, you realize things have taken a turn for the worse. Yeah. And you might as well just be put out of your misery. Might as well. You're supposed to come to my aid. Yeah, see, exactly. How dare you? Will does realize that his dad could be both pirate and good, as I was saying. When Will makes the decision to end the curse back in the cave on Isla de Muerta, he did so making that conscious choice that, as far as he knows, lifting the curse would kill his father. His father was an immortal pirate, albeit resting on the bottom of the ocean, not comfortable living quarters. But nonetheless, lifting the curse, Will would effectively kill his father as far as he knows. Once the curse was released, his father would drown. Does Will know that his father, is my question, does Will know that his father is at the bottom of the ocean? I don't know. So that's what I'm wondering. He had to have somehow heard that, right? Nobody told him about his father because then he would be wondering where his father, it had to have come up that Barbosa killed his father. I'm just making that assumption. I'm not sure Will, even if Will knew that. I'm not sure that's what he's thinking of at that point in time. No, not necessarily at that. Well, it has to be in the back of his mind, though, that his father was one of these cursed pirates. And if he knows that his father is at the bottom of the ocean, that releasing the curse will lift that immortality from him and he would die. I think he thinks his father's already dead, though. I don't know. That's what I don't know. At any rate, whether he knows or not, it takes away hope, though, that he might see his father again. Right. At least somehow. And if he knows that he's at the bottom of the ocean, it's this humane treatment of him, giving him that out of life. And it's also symbolic of like forgiveness and letting go. He's letting him go. He's moving on with his life. And just perhaps with Elizabeth, he's taking the next chapter in his life. And that now includes Elizabeth. Yes. So that's how I kind of see it. If he knows. That's the big question. Does he know what's really going on? Does he know if Bootstrap, his father, was cursed at this stage and at the bottom of the ocean? That I don't know. Right. He has to know that he was cursed, though, because he got the medallion. So he knows that. It's whether or not he knows that if he's dead or if he's just lingering at the bottom of the ocean. Because he may not have thought all of that completely through. Right. But anyways, I think that it's pretty interesting if he were to really think back about that, that there is that letting go aspect of it. But finding his father as well throughout this and then in the game. At least when he reflects on that moment, he would have thought about that. Unless he's just so uppity up for Elizabeth and he's sitting back there. The only thing he can think of after the cave thing is like, I can't believe I'd let that moment go. God dang it. What was I thinking? (laughs) And that's all that's been running through his head. Yeah. And that's why he wants to save Jack. He's like, I need another moment, man. What are we going to do? I got to get back in the good graces of her. She's really ticked at me for bringing that up. (laughs) Well, you could save me. Well, maybe I'll save you. Then there's, of course, what I like to call angry Norrington. That's how I have it in my notes, just so I can remember it. Angry Norrington. I know his face is still red from the giant slap. Okay, maybe it's before he gets the beat down. 
But there are some great lines in acting taking place with Jack Davenport here. Norrington tells Will, you forget your place, Turner. There's so much anger in his face. It control- it's like this controlled anger, though. And it's controlled delivery of that line. But we know he's boiling over underneath. And the fact that he calls him Turner, not like Mr. Turner as he's done in the past. Yeah, he lost his formality. Yeah, he completely broke character. Yeah. Well, broke pomp. And circumstance. kind of in a way. I mean, there's nothing else we really need to see or hear from Norrington at this particular time to know that he's about to explode at this situation. And it's not that Will tried to save Jack. It's the fact that Will professes love for Elizabeth at that moment before he does that. He stepped up to the plate and he planted a seed in her mind that can never be taken away. That's the death blow to Norrington Elizabeth future. The Norrington Elizabeth explosion hypothesis that he was hoping to form. The Norrington Elizabeth marriage. Ah, There's got to be some good. The Norbeth, if we wanted to put their names together. Okay. Norrington can't compete at all with Will. And Will always had and still has her heart. Norrington realizes the truth and it breaks his heart just knowing this. It's a bit of sad truth, actually. And I feel for him. I do, too. This is Norrington stepping down from the prim and proper, as we were just saying, high society, upper class pedestal that he's been standing on. And he's on the level with everyone else. Just a man who loves a woman. He played the wedding of convenience of this idea that this is a smart match, you and I. That's what he chose. That's how right. he went to go about this courting of the two. Right, but it was a good way to go because he knew she didn't really have feelings for him. No, but it was a good way to go when he's talking to Governor Swan. Well, yeah. Because if he really knew Elizabeth... He would have known that what she really wanted was somebody to play the I will do whatever it takes. I will become a pirate for you card. And I will go against everything I believe in to save you. Even if I don't end up with you in the end. That's what she wanted. She wanted the, like Will, I hate pirates like no tomorrow, but then I'm going to become one for you. Yeah. That's what she wanted. She wanted somebody to make that sacrifice. He didn't do it. He didn't step up. He was so stuck on the... This is proper. This is a smart match. This is his book thinking coming in. His military background. This is proper procedure. This is going to work because it makes sense. When love doesn't always make sense. And that's what he failed to realize until this very end. Yeah, it is interesting you say that. Because it's like (laughs) opposites. The awesomeness. And then I lift you up to my level by the goodness goodness of my heart. Goodness. I played the I'm awesome card and then you bought it and then you realized, no, he was actually telling the truth. He is awesome. I'm awesome. I send you to the deep. You bought into my awesomeness. I can't wait to add a walk the plank or send you to the deep on that one. But whatever happened there with Norrington and not playing the right card, now it's completely too late. Yeah. Will destroyed that when he profess his love for her yes and then he goes off and does something like a rebel and a pirate and saves jack because she was already up on that stage setting she wasn't really on a stage saying this is wrong and he didn't do anything if he really wanted to show his love for her he would have said you know what you're right he brought you back to me i can never repay that and i will let him go yeah and you know what elizabeth how about you join me on my next voyage and we can go out and have an adventure of our own no? I don't. I, well, yeah, but I don't see Norrington doing... Well, of course he doesn't. It's too late now, even if he had thought about it. But that's the point. He missed the boat. He did. He missed the tall ship, the wooden ship. 
Since we don't want to wrap up this episode on a serious topic of broken hearts, because mine hurts, <laughs> obviously, we should probably mention Jack Sparrow. Oh, I want to mention <clears throat> Jack Sparrow. <laughs> Strangers in the night. <laughs> really? Yeah. So Love for sale. Da, 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 da. Oh, when I'm Will waiting. says, "Good, he's a good man, talking about Jack. Yeah. Jack goes and kind of goes around the circle. Yeah, he's talking about me. He's so proud that he's being called a good man here. It's probably the first time ever he's been called a good <laughs> right? man. He's like, yeah, that's Except me. Except by other pirate Yeah, crew. I'm a good man. <laughs> yeah. That actually has some good stuff in it. Because first, Jack gives us the spiritually and ecumenically lines. Ecumenically, by the way, has a couple of meanings. The first being general and universal. The second is promoting or relating to unity among the world's Christian churches. So before we get on to what you're saying, I like this play on words here, even though we don't get to finish the line in the context from Jack finishing it because our minute ended, unfortunately. The real meaning that Jack is glad that all this wrapped up generally. But what I find quite funny is that it calls back to what he found so funny when the town clerk was reading the list of charges against the crown. The one that he was most proud of was impersonating a cleric of the church. And the second meaning of the ecumenically line that he tells Governor Swan is unity among the world's churches. So it's really like this callback to what he was talking about with the cleric. He really just gets a kick, I think, out of impersonating a cleric and oh, being yeah. part of the church. So I just thought that was kind of a humorous huh. bit connection, which probably wasn't really meant to be there. Well, it's got spiritually. Yeah, so maybe that he was just calling back yeah. to all of that. What you were saying when Jack was pointing to himself is like spot on with this whole scene with Jack here because there's not one actor, director, extra, or anyone that participated in the filming of this scene that does not immediately comment on Depp's performance saying how he upstaged everyone by his background acting, or maybe I should say antics. <laughs> his simple facial expressions and reactions to what the others are saying is absolutely priceless here. Yeah. Gore Verbinski got so focused on Jack during the filming of this particular scene when they were actually having like Will Turner do his line or well, Will Orlando Bloom do his lines and stuff is that he eventually started trying to frame Johnny Depp out of the shot. So he didn't lose the focus. Huh. So you can see that the camera will slightly move and Jack is in half covered by the thing. He's not like fully framed yeah. in there because of that, because he was just totally upstaging everybody. Huh. All the actors are saying that that's what happened there. Which just goes to show you, like, the genius that he had when he was portraying Jack Sparrow. Yeah. And just throwing all of this in and reacting to what the others were doing. It, it, it really is great. So, I mean, Jack Sparrow obviously invented photobombing because that's what he does throughout this entire minute. At least uh -huh. up until he speaks. He's photobombing every part of this. Oh, thing. yeah. When, when Norrington gets blown down. Yeah. He's back there all sad, like, looking for Norrington and then... Yeah, it really is just classic yeah. Jack stuff happening there. Yeah. And it fits so perfectly with this minute. You don't even really notice it being pointed out. You just absorb it as that's what Jack would do. So it's not something that sticks out so much to you. Right. Or maybe it does because you see his antics and you're focused on him and not what the other actors are doing. It could go either way. And of course, Jack gets the hint that the pearl is nearby from the presence of Cotton's parrot. Right. And that's not the same Cotton's parrot that Heather gives me in the studio when she doesn't <laughs> like what I'm saying. So other than that, that's what I have. Do you have anything? No, that's about all I have. Yeah, so I guess I'm going to end on Cotton's Parrot. Cotton's Parrot. Not a bad way to end. Nope. Can't go wrong ending on Cotton's Parrot. Unless you're calling the one I'm throwing. Ah! <laughs> you throw a lot of Cotton's Parrot. 
I guess we'll be back tomorrow then, probably. Yep, we'll be back tomorrow with so. minute 130 of the Pirates of the Caribbean. Really? That's how you think the ending goes? You've heard it like a, <laughs> well, let me guess, 128 times or more? No, but I can do the whole beginning. We'll be back tomorrow with minute 130 of the Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. Okay, give us your beginning of the episode then. Oh, you put me on the spot. Ye intruders beware. <laughs> oh, that's the wrong one. It be too late to alter course there, matey. It be too late to alter course there, matey. There be plundering pirates lurking around every cove. Mark well me word, you matey. Dead men tell no tales. Heather, no surprise to find you in the tavern with a tankard full of rum in your hand. What was that for? You said you were going to meet me at the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute Cursed Listeners Crew Facebook group hours ago. I was? Mother's love! Why'd you slap me again? That's for not reminding people how to contact us. Get to it, you filthy bilge rat! Man, I obviously get no respect around here. So scallywags, thanks for listening. If you like the show, give us a review on iTunes. It helps us out, and we greatly appreciate it. Have a question or comment? Give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. We just might play your voicemail on the show. You can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. And don't forget to join the post-episode brawls on Facebook, our Facebook listeners group, and on Twitter. If you're interested in best of clips, you can find us on SoundCloud. All the links are on blackpearlminute.com. It's that easy. (laughs) 